minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0, and liftoff. That's right, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You get the horn show. Tad here tonight, rolling solo. My buddy Jeff, uh, a little under the weather, so it's just going to be Tad tonight. And uh, look, we got a lot to talk about, man. A whole lot going on, a lot of fun stuff, a lot of interesting things happening in the league. Um, you know, we're not in a position where we really know who anybody is yet uh, in the NFL. And uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about tonight, upcoming weekend. This is NFL Week 7. Uh, we're going to do a quick uh, look at the games ahead and see who we're picking, some picks and prognostications uh, based on what happened this past week and what we've seen so far this season. Also have a little bit of boxing information uh, and some breakdown on some interesting NFL players and stats. And then a, a really, really cool story. Uh, about uh, maybe some folks getting a chance to uh, play football that maybe wouldn't have wouldn't have been able to play previously or minimally wouldn't have had as uh, as easy a time. So this is this is going to be a big help for for some folks. So happy about that. So let's start off uh, with the most important thing coming up: NFL Week Seven. That's right. That's all we're legally allowed to play. So you can't hear any more than that, but you heard enough to get you pumped up. And we are now going to look ahead to NFL week seven games. We had an interesting, interesting week of football this past weekend. A lot of, a lot of good games, a lot of unexpected games and losses. Uh, You know, look, the Browns upsetting the San Francisco 49ers after the Niners missed two field goals. I mean, it's it literally a blind squirrel finds a nut, you know, every once in a while, because that that's, I mean, the, the Browns fell uh, bass backwards into a, a win against the Niners. Niners had an off day. Browns have a good defense. I mean, nobody's going to take that away from them. Uh, but still, I mean, the idea that you're going to miss a, a very, very makeable, I think it was a 41 yard field goal at the end of that game, at the end of regulation to, uh, you know, to kick, to kick that uh, wide, right and and lose that game uh that's that's surprising for the Niners uh it's not indicative of things to come I don't think but you know either way surprising so you know you saw the Browns uh you know managed to upset uh the uh, the Niners there so you know there were some some games that we saw over the the, this past weekend that were surprising they're going to be interesting as we look into this game so I think what we'll do now is just kind of start off with the very first thing that we're going to see which is the Thursday night game. Thursday night game. Uh, let's see here. We've got the 4-2 and two Jacksonville Jaguars taking on the 3-3 three and three New Orleans Saints. All right. So what are we going to say here? Well, uh, Jags should win. I mean, we'll keep it really simple. I don't have time to go uh, a huge in-depth breakdown on every one of these games. Look, these are two pretty good teams. Uh, there are going to be some unknowns. Uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Jaguars quarterback, has some sort of an injury to the knee, a bit of a knee tweak going on uh, that, you know, is potentially going to play a big role in uh, in what happens. So, you know, at the end of the day, I, I, you know, his health is going to be crucial to that team. 
Um, but you know, we'll, we'll see. So he's, as of right now, last, most recent thing we've heard is just that it's, it's uncertain with a knee sprain. So, you know, we'll see, uh, he's day to day. It isn't easy on the Jags because they are coming off a short week. Uh, so they're playing, they played Sunday and now they're going to play Thursday night football. So, uh, with some injuries again, they, they could be picked off here by the saints. This is in new Orleans as well. So don't be totally surprised if we see a little bit of a, I say a surprise. The records are similar, but you know the Jags. Look at where they were last year. I mean, this was almost a Super Bowl t- contending team on a great run last year. They have the coaching staff, and you know, in Doug Peterson, and uh, you know, certainly a, a really, really good roster of players on that team now. So they're four and two. You would expect them to be able to beat the Saints, but look, the Saints are going to surprise some people. They're playing tough, so we'll see what happens. Health is going to play a big, big role though uh, on that Jags team, particularly with Trevor Lawrence. If Trevor Lawrence isn't going, this is a completely different game. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's going to be the thing to watch there. health for Trevor Lawrence will be the biggest, uh, the biggest thing to watch there on whether or not the Jags beat the saints. So now moving on, we've got the five and one Detroit lions at the four and two Baltimore Ravens. And look, I mean, you see over the, my shoulder here, uh, for those of you who are watching uh, on uh, on YouTube or any video platform, uh, I am a Ravens fan and uh, I wear that proudly. And uh, there, it seems like for about half of almost every game this season, the Ravens have sucked. And then for half, they play really, really well. And so the, the, the question is always just the half that they play well, do they play well enough to overcome the half that they play poorly? Uh, this past weekend, they did in London against the Tennessee Titans. Uh, but this was a game that should have been a blowout and turned into something incredibly close. The Lions are no joke. Uh, I have it in writing before the season started that I thought that Jared Goff was my dark horse candidate to win MVP. And I'm not saying he's going to win MVP, but I don't know that he's that dark of a horse uh, anymore to be able to do it. I mean, Jared Goff's putting up incredible numbers. The Lions love going on the road. Uh, they, they're scrappy, tough team under Dan Campbell. This is not going to be an easy, an easy game. If the Ravens want to beat the lions, they will have to change how they've played against the Titans and how they've played against the Steelers and Lord knows how they played against the Colts and managing to lose that game. Uh, they've just had too many close games, too many situations where they managed to win, but it was, it was just, it was an ugly win or could have been, should have been a blowout. It wasn't. Uh, so too many, too many things happen in there. You play a good team like Detroit. You don't have that much room for error. You need to figure it out. And so, you know, the hope is again, it's in Baltimore. It's a get right game, hopefully for the Ravens. But at the same time, you're just coming back from London. It's interesting. You know, now the NFL used to be mandated that when you played in London, the very next week was your bye week Now the NFL gives teams the choice on whether or not they want to take their buy after the London game. So the Tennessee Titans elected to take their buy after London and the Ravens elected not to. And so, you know, they come out of the frying pan into the fire, they get home from London and now they got to turn around and play the Detroit lions and it is not going to be an easy game. So it's a game I'm very curious to watch. Uh, I'm really interested to see how it's going to go. I think this is going to be a very entertaining game. 
but it's going to be a lot. It's going to be a lot for the Ravens to keep up with. And look, Detroit's going to have their hands full too. I mean, the, that Ravens defense has been playing aggressively, been playing really well. I mean, Roquan Smith has been an absolute monster over the middle, and 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 we've seen uh, really continuously excellent play from Patrick Queen as well. You know, you don't hear about it as much, I feel. But right now, I mean, how many linebacker duos in the NFL are playing better than Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen? Uh, maybe we'll break that down in, a, in another episode. But, I mean, right now, those two are playing incredible football and really anchoring the center of that Ravens defense. And, you know, it's keeping them in games single-handedly. So this is going to be a really, really interesting game to be able to watch uh, Ravens and Lions Moving on, we have the 3-3 three and three Las Vegas Raiders going into Chicago to take on the 1-5 and five Chicago Bears. <sighs> I don't know what to say about this. I mean, people thought that the Bears were going to be really good this year. Um, needless to say, that didn't happen, uh, or it hasn't happened yet if, if we're going to see it happen. You know, everyone thought after two weeks ago, we saw this, you know, this great resurgence from Justin Fields, quarterback for the Bears. He's now coming into zone, finally started to figure things out. There was a lot of hype and energy and, and positivity around Chicago. Like, hey, man, maybe we can turn around. And then they go out and lose 19-13 to a Vikings team without Justin Jefferson. And, you know, then you fall to one and five on the year. And it's it's a that's a pretty, pretty deep hole to dig out of. The Raiders are not a great team by any stretch. So this is still a winnable game for the Bears. But if they're going to win it, they have to they have to win it. Uh because, you know, the Raiders still have talent on that team. Bears have talent too, but they've not been able to put it together and I don't know how much longer head coach uh, for the Bears Matt Eberflus is going to be able to hold on to that job. Does he make it through the whole season? I mean, I think he does, but man, if you only win two or three games and they might, then boy, yeah, that's that seat is more than hot, more than hot at that point. So Raiders Bears, I mean, this isn't going to be a really fun game for anyone who isn't a fan of one of those two teams to watch. But hey, it's on TV. It's better than no football at all. So uh, we'll be able to watch that one as well. Moving on. The three and two Cleveland Browns head into Indianapolis to take on the three and three Indianapolis Colts. Uh, boy, you know, this is going to be, a, a, I think, a pretty interesting game. The Browns have played great defense. Uh, that defense has been keeping them in games. Uh, they've been, I mean, gosh, they they beat the Niners with like their third string quarterback. So, you know, they, they can win games. The Colts will likely, well, will be without Anthony Richardson. Uh, and, you know, Jonathan Taylor is just starting to get back in the swing of things at the running back position. So the Colts are very, very vulnerable right now. And, you know, the reality is Gardner Minshew is only going to take you so far at the quarterback position, but he's a solid player. I mean, I don't think he's going to lose you very many games, but I don't know, you know, with that Browns defense playing the way that they are, you know, we know the old adage, right? Defense travels. So the Cleveland Browns going on the road, that defense can still travel into Indianapolis and 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 make, make it a long day for the Colts. So uh, I, I would anticipate the Browns pulling off this win against the Colts. And if they do, that AFC North starts to look pretty interesting because, you know, if you, if, if let's say hypothetically, if the Ravens were to lose and they go to four and three, you have the Browns at uh, four and two, if they manage to win, 
um man it's it starts to get pretty pretty interesting because a little later here we're going to be talking about uh the pittsburgh steelers going against the rams so there's some interesting matchups happening in the afc north and you know those those teams are all <clears throat> bunched very closely together so moving on from that game we're going to head to the four and two buffalo bills traveling into New England to take on the one and five New England Patriots. Uh, I don't know when the last time was that anyone could have said this, but it's very possible that the New England Patriots are the worst team in the NFL. And unless that is part of a greater plan by Bill Belichick, this, the, the wheels have officially come off in New England. This is a one in five team. If you look across the board, the talent is, uh, to be very, very generous, I'll say the talent is lacking in New England. And again, Belichick is the GM. So when you look at talent lacking, he is the fault. I mean, if the fault falls on him, he's the general manager. So a four and two Bills team going against the Patriots. Look, the Patriots are going to try to step up. It's it's a division game. It's against the Bills. Things could still get interesting. And, you know, it's very hard right now to have uh, any great unbridled confidence in the Buffalo Bills. Uh, they barely snuck out uh, a win against the New York Giants, beating them 14 to nine. <laughs> they have not looked like world beaters right now. Uh, so, you know, again, what, what's going to happen is is really hard to say, but there's a, uh, I do think division games are always tough. You would look at this on, on its surface and say, well, clearly Buffalo is going to win that game. New England doesn't have a chance. And that's the way it should go. But division games, we know, can get a little bit tricky. Biggest thing for the Patriots is they have to figure Mac Jones out. I mean, if you look at what has been happening with Mac Jones, it, it it's it's kind of really staggering what's going on. Um, you know, to give you an idea, first of all, I saw the stat the other day and I thought it was just fascinating. And it really gives you, uh, I think, a good picture of how far the New England Patriots have fallen in such a short period of time. Since the year 2000, which is when Bill Belichick became the Patriots coach, home losses with Tom Brady. They played 165 home games with Tom Brady at quarterback, and they lost 24. Since Tom Brady, they've played 47 home games, and they've lost 25. So this isn't only about Tom Brady by any stretch of the imagination, but Brady got out of there at the right time. I mean, he knew what he was doing and he jumped ship and went to somewhere where he, he knew he could win right away. And he did uh, with Tampa. But if you look at that change and, and, and what an impact, and then the, just the dearth of talent that they have uh, there in New England, there's just nothing to really help them overcome. And prior to this past week, Mac Jones over a two game period had thrown zero touchdowns, four interceptions, two pick sixes and had a fumble returned for a touchdown. He was benched twice in games. He only had 150 passing yards against the Cowboys and 110 passing yards against the saints. And the Patriots have been outscored 72 to three. How are you going to win? How is that possible? When we look at Mac Jones and this is not contrary to popular uh, opinion, it seems like when you, when you're watching this on ESPN or any of these places, new England's problem, it's easy to point at Mac Jones, but Mac Jones is not the only problem in new England by any stretch. That having been said, 
they need to figure something out there. Because if you look at the Mac Jones scenario, tell me what's happening here. He started the season. Now this is against the Eagles throwing for 316 yards, three touchdowns, one interception quarterback rating of 91.3. Very, very solid. Then he goes out against the Dolphins. Okay, this is another good team. 231 yards, one touchdown, one interception, quarterback rating 84.5. You go, hmm, okay, huh? I guess it is what it is. Then they go against the Jets, 201 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions, quarterback rating 85.6, but he only completed 51.7% of his passes in that game. Uh, and he threw for 201 yards. So then you go, oh, that's a, that's an ugly game, but whatever. Every quarterback's going to have some ugly games. No big deal. You put it behind him. Then they go to Dallas and they play the Cowboys and he throws for 150 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions, a quarterback rating of 39.9, which is as bad as it can get. And again, he got benched in that game. Then after that, he comes in and he plays against the saints, throws for 110 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions, and a quarterback rating of 30.5. And then this past week, I guess if you want to say he had a bounce back game, this is as close as you can get to it, which was thrown for 200 yards, no touchdowns, one interception, and a quarterback rating of 75.3. So whatever is happening in New England with Mac Jones, it's it's going the wrong way really, really, really quickly. And, uh, you know, I don't think this guy just forgot how to play football. I find that hard to believe. So they have not designed a system. And we talk about it all the time, particularly now in the modern NFL, that these coaches are designing system and offensive play callers, offensive coordinators are designing systems to take advantage of quarterbacks, skill sets and abilities. Now, I do not pretend to be a Mac Jones expert, and I'm not necessarily completely conscious of all of his strengths and weaknesses and abilities, but I can tell you that they're pretty clearly not doing an effective job of designing an offense that's going to work well and take advantage of his strengths. When you have a starting quarterback, a starting quarterback in the NFL who had back-to-back games of under a 40 quarterback rating, has thrown five touchdowns and seven interceptions and has thrown for just over 1200 yards in one, two, three, four, five, six games six games 1200 yards he's averaging 200 yards per game uh it's 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 rough completion percentage 64 percent quarterback rating for the season 74.4 and again keep in mind that's because the first game of the season he had a 91.3 he threw more touchdowns in the first game mac jones threw more touchdowns in the first game of the season than he has the next five games combined So things need to turn around very, very quickly. He's not the sole problem in New England. He is a problem, though. And what you do and and how they move him around to be able to start to get something going there, uh, you know, they need to change up the offense. Things aren't working. You thought Bill O'Brien was going to put some things together there uh, that maybe would help take him to the next level, but it seems like a regression. So anyway, don't want to go too far uh, off topic on this, but Bill's Patriots, you know, Patriots can't lose all of them, right? So it's a division game could still be tough. Then we move on from there. Let's go to the Washington Commanders at three and three going into New York and taking on the one and five New York Giants. Oh man, this one actually uh, could be an entertaining game. You know, uh, the Commanders have actually been playing some, some pretty solid football. They have a talented young team. Going into New York, and I don't know if the Giants, 
I don't know if they know what's going on right now. Did you come if you're the Giants? Did you come away from last week uh, with a kind of moral victory that you hung in there against the Bills? Or do you feel even worse that you lost another game and uh, dropped to one and five? I don't know the answer to that, but you know, taking the temperature in the locker room is going to be awfully important because this commander's team is no joke. And yes, the giants were able to hang in there against the bills, but hanging in there is not what you're trying to do. And scoring nine points like they did against the bills is just not going to win you a lot of games. So the giants are also going to have to figure some things out. You got to anticipate uh, that the greatest likelihood is that the Giants will lose to the Commanders. That'll move the Commanders into a, a, a record of four and three. And again, that, that puts them, they're squarely in the hunt. I mean, they're very much in it because Eagles-Dolphins, which we're going to talk about here in just a little bit, I mean, oh boy, that's going to be a game to watch. And if you if if the Eagles, if the Eagles were to lose that game and they fall to five and two, um, Boy, I don't know. Starts to starts to get pretty interesting to see because if Washington's four and three, the Eagles are five and two. Uh, yeah, there's a, a, it could break out in a whole bunch of different ways here as we continue to see the season unfold. So, Commanders Giants could be a good game. Moving on past that, we have the three and three Atlanta Falcons going into Tampa to take on the three and two Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh boy, this is another interesting one, man. These two teams are young, talented teams. Uh, it's really, really hard to kind of know how this goes. Uh, Baker Mayfield, the wheels came off, you know, this past week. Uh, this is the thing that's going to be tricky. What Baker do you see moving forward? When Baker went in and started playing there in Tampa, everybody thought this is Baker Mayfield. This is, you know, and he's playing great. And this is, this is the real Baker Mayfield, et cetera. But it's always kind of in the back of your mind with Baker Mayfield. Like, is he that guy or is he not that guy? Is he is he is he is he able to string it together and be consistent? And the vast majority of the time, we know the answer is no, he can't. That's just that's the way that it goes. And so now you start looking at it, and again, I mean, it was just uh gosh, you know, very recent week uh four that they, you know, the Bucks beat the Saints 26 to 9, and you were just thinking, oh man, things okay, they're still flying high there. And it's just, it's, 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 uh, it hasn't been quite, you know, going the same way. So what happened this past week is going to be something that, you know, he needs to shake off very quickly. And again, you lost to a really good team. You lost to the Lions 20 to six. If you're the Buccaneers, you need to shrug that off and just say, that's not indicative of who we are as a team. We're going to move past it and, and keep rolling. So, uh, depends on what you believe. Falcons have a ton of talent <clears throat> to me. I'll tell you now. I said this uh, on, a, on a text chain recently. If you're the Falcons, why don't you go out and make the move to bring in Kirk Cousins? If you brought Kirk Cousins in to the Atlanta Falcons with the team they have in place, look, I'm not going to say they're a Super Bowl team, but they're a team that I, I'm, qu I'm quite confident makes the playoffs and people would be very nervous about. And this is not a knock on Desmond Ritter. Desmond Ritter may still be able to figure things out and and, uh, and and be successful in the league. But the reality is, as it stands today, the Falcons have a talented young team. And when you look at some of the players on the team, I mean, they could really do some damage. But that quarterback role is vital. 
And so you're in this position right now. You have this window of time. And again, they're in a weak division as well. So you got to take advantage of it. I understand if it's just a one-year rental, you don't need to sign Kirk Cousins to a long-term deal. But that ability to bring in somebody now and not only potentially win some games, but also maybe someone to kind of help Desmond Ritter along a little bit as an understudy, uh, I think that could be a big help as well. So in my mind, Falcons should be one of those teams, along with the Tennessee Titans, who we'll talk about a little bit, that should definitely be looking into Kirk Cousins. But anyway, Falcons, Bucks, look, coin flip game depends a lot on which Baker shows up. Uh, if good Baker shows up, they have every ability to win. Uh, it, it is in Tampa, but you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I still get a little, little, little feeling that, uh, Atlanta might be able to pull that one off. So, uh, keep in mind, keep it, keep, keep an eye out on that one. Moving on. All right. Steelers three and two Pittsburgh Steelers going into LA to play the Rams who are three and three. Oh, man, I don't know what to expect. We've seen both of these uh, teams play really well at times and really poorly at times. It's really streaky. Cross-country travel is never easy for these teams. Um, so, you know, I expect the Steelers to win. I think there's a decent likelihood, particularly coming off the bye. They, they got an emotional win against the Ravens. Then they went into the bye week. They're coming off rested, and then they travel cross-country. You know, I, I think there's a decent chance that the uh, that, that the Steelers are able to pull off the win here against the Rams. The Rams, you know, when you uh, when you look at the, what they just did, I mean, they just beat the Cardinals twenty six to nine. Uh, but again, that's the Cardinals, so doesn't mean a whole lot. Doesn't tell you a lot about you know what's being accomplished there. But could be an interesting game. I, I would tend to believe though that the Steelers, particularly coming off the bye, are gonna gonna get the edge there. Moving on. Well, let's look at it here. We've got the four o'clock. Uh, this is another four o'clock game. Sorry, the Steelers game was a four o'clock as well. Uh, we have the one and five Arizona Cardinals going into Seattle to take on the three and two Seattle Seahawks. Boy, Seattle blew that game against the Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday. Had it, I mean, in their pocket. They Cincinnati had scored. Uh, Seattle gets the ball back with like a minute and a half or so left. Drives downfield, gets all the way down there, and basically goes four and out from I don't remember exactly the five or ten yard line can't punch the ball in against Cincinnati and loses the game. So uh, still expect Seattle to bounce back. Arizona, you have to believe, is uh, you know very much in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes and not really trying too hard to win a ton of games right now. Uh, they're a bad football team in general, which is, again, not surprising. So, uh, so anyone who plays the Cardinals should probably pencil them in for a win. And the Seahawks being three and two coming off of a, a tough loss that they're going to feel like they should have won. Uh, I think they'll, they'll look to prove themselves there. Moving on. We have the two and three Green Bay Packers against the one and five Denver Broncos in Denver. Look, life has not been great to Sean Payton since he went into Denver. And so much of that is Sean Payton's own doing. Very, very, you know, it, it, there's a fine line between wanting to change a culture and kind of put your stamp on things and say, hey, there's a new sheriff in town, et cetera, all the cliches. There's a fine line between that and um, just kind of coming off like a jerk, for lack of a better way of saying it, 
And Peyton has fallen on the other side of that line, the wrong side of that line, and really consistently come off as a jerk, throwing Russell Wilson under the bus, throwing prior head coach Nathaniel Hackett under the bus, saying this is one of the worst coaching jobs in history, all of these types of things. And then he goes out and that team is now one and five. So uh, again, none of the players there, I'm including Russell Wilson, none of the players there were Sean Payton's guys. So is there any possibility that Sean Payton is intentionally undermining Russell Wilson in order to be able to get ownership to sign off on the idea of getting him out of there, which is going to be incredibly hard to do given his contract? Look, I don't know. It still seems like the Broncos are trying to win games, uh, but trying is uh, is not doing, and they have not been doing much winning. Uh, the Broncos are, are just, uh, I don't know, they just don't have that much talent. You know, they played the Chiefs probably tougher than most people would have thought uh, on Thursday night. But I mean, let's face it. The Broncos have no room for error. Like if you're the Denver Broncos, if you want to win a game, you have to play it perfectly. Now the Packers are incredibly streaky right now. You don't know what in the world you're going to get from them. So this is a game that could be a bounce back game for Denver and it's in Denver. I could actually see Denver possibly getting a win here. But they need to jump out early, and they got to put up more than six or nine points. You got to score touchdowns. I think if Denver can put up 14 points or more, they have a really, really good chance of being able to beat Green Bay. Uh, but unless that happens, it ain't going to happen. They're not going to win this game with field goals. So that one uh, could be could be uh, something for fans of those teams. No one other than fans of those teams is going to probably care about watching it. But it, you know, it'll be curious to see if Denver to, can uh, can get anything turned around there. Moving on, the two and two LA Chargers go on the road to Kansas City to play Taylor Swift and the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, the five and one Chiefs. And I mean, it's another year. It's another talk about the Chargers underperforming and et cetera. And, uh, somehow Brandon Staley is still the head coach of the Chargers for reasons that I will not understand. Um, and the bottom line is they have the pieces and they aren't winning games. There's, there, there's nothing else you can really say about it. So will the Chargers be able to uh, turn things around? I have no reason to believe that they will. Uh, so, <laughs> I mean, that's the only thing I can say. They, 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 they're coming off the bye week. Uh, their last uh, game, they, they beat the Raiders 24-17. to 17. So, you know, they've got some things happening, some momentum. But come on, man, this is the defending champion Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City. Now, I will say this. We don't know for sure yet whether Taylor Swift will be in attendance at this game. That obviously is going to play a huge, huge role in the Chiefs' ability to, uh, to, 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 to beat the Chargers. But I still, even if Swift does decide to sit this one out, I still will pick uh, Taylor Swift and the Kansas City Chiefs to beat the L.A. Chargers. I still always want to call them San Diego. I think probably within the next three to five years, I will, I will get over that. And moving on from there, we're going to see the possibly game of the week. This is Sunday night football. This is a Sunday night matchup that you're going to want to see. Uh, you know, a few weeks ago, we had uh, Michelle Tafoya on the show. Michelle, of course, obviously renowned for, as a sideline reporter on Sunday night football for so many years with Al Michaels and Monday night football with Al Michaels and John Madden. And I mean, this it made me think of this because the, we were talking in that conversation and it's 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 great it's on the podcast it's on YouTube you can go back and watch it but you know some of the games that you know just 
when you're on that crew, when you're a sideline reporter, the games you're interested in, you're, you're most fascinated in the players you're interested in talking with, interviewing coaches, things like that. This is a game that's going to be really, really fascinating to watch because right now the Dolphins don't look very beatable. The Eagles just lost their first game to the New York Jets and really kind of scuffled their way through it. It was it was kind of an ugly game all the way around. And when you look at the Eagles games this year, I mean, look, we've all said it, right? This isn't any new thought, but the Eagles have been winning games without looking very good. And, you know, when you have that, it's it's great to, to win, right? That's the only thing that matters. At the end of the day, if you're winning games, you're winning games. Uh, and that's, that's the most important thing you can have. But, you know, when you go back and look, they beat the, uh, well, sorry, they lost to the Jets 20 to 14. And then they beat the Rams 23 to 14. They beat the commanders by a field goal in overtime. Uh, they put a, a good beating on the Buccaneers 25 to 11. Um, they beat the Vikings 34, 28. Uh, they beat the Patriots by five, 25 to 20. So, you know, point being, when you look at these games, they're like, they have been blowing teams out, but they've still been finding ways to win. The Eagles defense, really pretty solid most of the season. Uh, and, and man, they have some disruptors up front with particularly Jalen Carter in the middle of that defensive line. Now, why is that going to be so important? It's going to be incredibly important because if you're going to allow Tua to just sit back there in that pocket and destroy you, then uh, he's going to do it. That's a, that's a, you know at the end of the day that's going to be what happens and so you know the Eagles got to find somebody whoever that's going to be to be able to to put the clamps on Tyreek Hill and it's probably going to take more than one you're going to have your cornerback on there and then you're probably going to roll an awful lot of safety coverage over to Tyreek which means the other guys on the Dolphins have got to be getting open and no reason to believe that they won't but the Eagles they're tough. They know how to win. The Dolphins are a young team. They really haven't been in this position. It's still early in the year. That's going to be a fascinating game to watch. So really, really curious to see how that one plays out. And uh, could be high scoring, could be high flying, or it could surprise you and be a defensive battle. Sometimes those games that get all hyped up as being a shootout are, end up being low scoring affairs and uh, aren't as crazy as people think. And then we will move into Monday Night Football. And that is the 5-1 and one. San Francisco 49ers going into Minnesota to play the two and four Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Niners lost their first game of the season. Should be pissed off about it. Should not have lost that game. Uh, it, it was a bit of an embarrassment for them, not only because they lost to the Browns, though nobody wants to do that, but they were just in such position to win that game. There was no reason for the Browns to, or I'm sorry, for the Niners to have just taken their first loss. doesn't matter if it was against the Browns or not. No reason that they lost that game. So they should be undefeated, and they're not. My guess is they're going to come out and take it out on the Vikings. Uh, and again, no Justin Jefferson. Uh, Vikings, a good team, but man, the shine came off of them awfully quickly from where they were last year. So, you know, this is going to be, it's just one of those things right now where we're looking and there's just a lot of unknowns in the NFL. You know, we're more than a quarter of the way through the season right now. And there's still so much that we don't understand or really know about these teams that we're seeing here. And when you have that consistently, you start to see the good teams separate themselves. You know, we're still in that point right now where we don't fully know who a lot of these teams are. We have a feeling on who the best teams are, but there are quite a few out there that are still coming into their own. And we just aren't 100% sure right now 
who are the teams that are really, really good and who are the ones that we just, you know, maybe have, have shown up for a few games but are going to fade down the stretch. So certainly some things to keep an eye on. Again, the NFL knows how to stay at the front of everyone's mind and uh, they do it better than anybody. So uh, anyway, so that's what we're looking at for the NFL. So I want to touch on a couple other things. Um, one, you know, we saw a boxing match over the weekend. I think these these two are considered heavyweights, but really they're lightweights as it pertains to boxing. This was YouTube influencer Logan Paul and uh, and MMA fighter Dylan Dennis. Whew, man, I mean, there was so much trash talk leading up to this fight. And then, um, you know, ends in a Logan Paul win due to disqualification. Dennis appeared to try to get him in some sort of a headlock and take him down to the canvas. And, you know, the second time of that happening, they disqualified him. So, you know, these games, or I'm sorry, these games, these fights that we see with guys that, uh, you know, aren't tradition, traditional boxers. I'll just say that with uh, some air quotes. Sometimes, man, there's a lot more talk that goes into it than, than skill. Logan Paul's no joke. I mean, I'll say that he's a skilled fighter and he's a, he's a big guy and he, clearly puts the time and the energy into it. He's got a lot of time to make up for though, because this is not a guy who's been, you know, boxing and training to box since he was 14 or something like that. It's a guy who came to a very, very late in life and he's willing to take different people on from different backgrounds. And Dylan Dennis did a ton of trash talk. Look, everyone has a different opinion on whether or not you want to see a great deal of trash talk and maybe some, uh, some, you know, some low blows, uh, in the media, uh, Dylan Dennis was talking just a, a tremendous amount of, uh, uh, rude things really about Logan Paul's fiance, uh, leading up to this, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of just rough things being said. And, uh, again, the argument is he's trying to sell the fight. He's trying to hype it up. He's trying to, you know, get people interested and invested, but then Dylan Dennis goes out and barely throws a punch and just gets owned the entire fight and really doesn't show up. So it's kind of like, well, you know, save all the trash talk and actually just go out there and, and put on a, a, a real fight. Uh, and he, 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 he really kind of guaranteed that he won't see another payday like this. So, uh, Logan Paul wins. Uh, due to disqualification, Dylan Dennis, I uh, got to assume he is pretty well done in, uh, in boxing. So that's, uh, we don't need to spend a whole lot more time uh, on it than that, but I, I did see that uh, from over the weekend, thought it was worth touching on and uh, I have a couple stats here. Some, some things that I thought were really, uh, really f fun to look at came across this the other day, another NFL stat receiving yards after their 40th birthday. Now, this becomes really important because uh, just last week, I had a Dr. Jesse Morse on who is a uh, sports physician, right? So he works with professional athletes. We talked a lot about various injuries that certain players are going through right now. Uh, and one of them was Justin Jefferson with his hamstring. Uh, and, you know, some of these other guys, the injuries that they have and 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 what the treatment looks like and what you do. One of the things that came out from that conversation was how important health is to the longevity, obviously, of an NFL player. And that in some respects, yes, that goes without saying. But you look at a guy like Jerry Rice, Jerry Rice, widely considered to be the greatest wide receiver in NFL history, right? That's that's kind of the standard. He is the, the, the best. The best is different than the most talented. 
And I say that because it's no different than Tom Brady. Tom Brady may be the best. He's not the most talented, right? Peyton Manning, probably the most talented. Tom Brady's the winningest and therefore the best. You can look at other receivers and say, oh man, Randy Moss with that height and the that 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 wingspan and that ability to make contested catches, or you know, Chris Carter, oh man, what soft hands and right on the sidelines, he could always keep his his feet down. And you know, you can look at all of these different guys. They all have different skills. That's Calvin Johnson, you know, for the Lions was so just a big physical presence and could catch the ball so well and had had good speed. Jerry Rice really didn't have any of those individual weapons. He had no height advantage over anybody. He wasn't a burner like a Tyreek Hill. He just ran incredibly clean routes, and he was able to play forever. That's really what it boiled down to. Receiving yards after their 40th birthday in NFL history. Jerry Rice, 2,509 yards receiving after his 40th birthday. Second place, Tom Brady with six. Third place, zero for literally every single other player in NFL history other than Brett Favre and then Brett Favre with negative two. So when we talk about longevity and the ability to play for really, really long periods of time and health and how that that plays into it, Jerry Rice was not just the greatest as it pertains to running routes, great hands, great as a wide receiver, but also one of the greats as staying healthy. One of the greats as it pertains to being able to be available to his team to help. And that is an incredibly important. We hear it all the time, right? The best available or best ability is availability. Jerry Rice not only had ability, he had availability. And to be able to put up over 2,500 yards after his 40th birthday, considering that no one else, I mean, Tom Brady has six, no one else on planet earth had a single yard after their 40th birthday. That is pretty daggone impressive for one Mr. Jerry Rice. So, uh, yeah, saw that stat, thought it was worth, was certainly worth talking about. And I wanted to wrap up tonight. It is a pretty quick and easy show here. Again, I'm rolling solo tonight. I wanted to do, you know, a little preview of the NFL uh, week coming up and uh, and some other little odds and ends things. But, man, you know, I saw this story and I thought I this would be a great story to end on because it's kind of a feel-good story. And, uh, you know, when you see these, sometimes I do think it's important to bring attention to them, uh, because, you know, hopefully it encourages more people to have awareness of it and, and, and care. And so here we go. I just think this is awesome. AT&T worked with Gallaudet University to create a 5G helmet so that their deaf and hard of hearing students could play football. Coaches will select plays from a tablet, which will then show up on the player's visor. And so to give you an idea of how this works, some folks, you know, you may have seen like the uh, heads up display in a car, uh, you know, where it can kind of show you what your, uh, you know, speed, uh, speed is kind of on the windshield type of thing. Well, this is what happens. And I, for those of you who are listening, you won't be able to see this, but for anyone watching on, uh, on YouTube, I have these images up and you can check them out on there where it's, it's a helmet and they have like a, a thing that hangs down a lens that hangs down, uh, kind of like from the visor in front of the, uh, the player's eyes. And, you know, it is a challenge you don't think of, but when you're deaf, 
as a football player, you can't hear the plays being called. And so there's really no way for you to be able to do very much. You're very limited in what your ability is. How do you audible? What can you possibly do? And so this, I just think, is, is a great use of technology to be able to allow these students to be able to still play football. And, you know, to be able to do that type of thing, I, I think, you know, look, we have all this technology. We talk about it all the time. And to be able to use it in a way that would actually be beneficial to people, and again, special needs people. And to give you some background here, Gallaudet University, so for those who aren't familiar with it, it uh, they're located in D.C. And it's a, it's a private university in D.C. It's specifically for the education of deaf and hard of hearing students. And it was founded in 1864 as a grammar school for both deaf and blind children. It was the first school for the advanced education of the deaf and hard of hearing in the world, and it remains the only higher education institution in which all programs and services are specifically designed to accommodate deaf and hard of hearing students. So hearing students are admitted to the graduate school and a small number are also admitted as undergraduates uh, each year. The university was named after Thomas Hopkins Gallaudet, a notable figure in the advancement of deaf education. And so, you know, you look at that and you think, man, here's, here's a college full of deaf and hard of hearing students. Now, if you've ever known anyone in your life who's deaf, that doesn't mean that they don't enjoy sports. It doesn't mean that they don't enjoy all of the things that, that any one of us who, who have the, who are blessed with the ability to, uh, to hear, you know, enjoy. They want to watch sports. They want to hang out. They want to play sports. And we have a world that really isn't built to be able to allow that to happen right now. And so when I see this, that, you know, AT&T was actually able to, to use some technology and, uh, and take advantage uh, of finding a way to be able to help some players. And of course, there's still going to be lots of bugs to work out. They just started using them. You know, this is all very, very new technology. But I mean, it just, it does give you, you know, I, I think it makes you feel good that at least, you know, looking forward to the future, that these types of things are out there and that people are paying attention, you know, that, to say, hey, how can we help? How can we use technology? Maybe not just to make a profit, not just to start a business, not just to make life easier, but to actually improve life for someone. And I think that's a pretty wonderful use of technology. So I'm going to congratulate AT&T, also going to congratulate Gallaudet University. Uh, and, you know, hopefully we see that type of that type of technology continue to be utilized because this also opens the door quite a bit for deaf players who maybe aren't at a Gallaudet University, but maybe at University of Alabama, University of Maryland, Penn State, you know, any number of, of, of colleges that you can think of, Clemson, uh, you know, any one of these schools, why not? You know, if there are talented players out there, I guarantee you there are many, 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 many talented players that just aren't given a chance because of a handicap like being deaf, right? In football, being blind would be almost impossible to overcome, but being deaf that's a very different story. You can overcome being deaf uh, if you're given the right tools and, and opportunities. And I think this is an example of that. And so, you know, it's great for Gallaudet University. The hope is that as we move forward, maybe that technology will start to make its way into other programs because let's face it, the major programs, man, they're always looking for talent. They're always looking to be able to gain an edge. And so if you have somebody out there who's a wide receiver, who's a running back, who's even a quarterback, 
and has all the skill set. Man, he's the dream guy, except can't hear. Well, what were you supposed to do previously, right? It's going to be a major, you know, not to forgive the pun, but major handicap. Well, maybe that doesn't need to be the case anymore, right? Maybe there is a way as, as technology continues to advance that we can see some improvement with that. So anyway, congrats to AT&T. Great job. Uh, great job, Gallaudet University, to be able to pioneer this technology and excited to see where uh, where it leads us in the future. But if nothing else, it's really allowing some uh, some kids to be able to enjoy playing football, even if they never go any further with it. It's going to enhance their college experience by being able to play football. And uh, and that's that's pretty cool. So anyway, that's that. So uh, that's pretty much everything we have tonight. I think, uh, like I said, we're going to keep it short and sweet. And uh, I think we got through a lot. So hopefully here uh, next week, my buddy Jeff will be feeling a little bit better and uh, he'll be back in the swing of things. And again, check out our other show as well. Again, for, for those listening, you know, we do have two shows now, two totally separate episodes. One is on headlines, news, funny stories, interesting things that we saw. And then, of course, we have our sports show here. So we have the big show that covers everything. And then we have our sports show. And so, uh, so you know, stay tuned to that. Check us out uh, on that as well. And, uh, you know, hopefully if, uh, if Jeff's not able to, uh, to be on either one this week, we're certainly hoping he's feeling better soon. He's pretty under the weather right now, but he'll be bouncing back soon and, uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll enjoy getting back into the swing of things here. But for those, uh, who are tuning out now, enjoy the upcoming week of NFL games and, uh, keep an eye out on what's happening in sports. There's always a lot of interesting, fun things happening. And, uh, in the meantime, have a great night, everybody. We'll talk soon. Thank you.